Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to episode 39 of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli, and with me I have Matt Smith. Hey, how you guys doing? What's going on? And today we have the unfortunate necessity <laughs> to tell you all about the story, Vengeance on Varro. <laughs> Less than a minute in, we're already off the rails. This is... Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh god! First of all, first of all, well, no, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I was about to apologize, uh, but I figure we should at least get through some house cleeping before we start apologizing. Right, but before we get to this <laughs> Colin Baker story, yeah, this monstrosity of a Colin Baker story, um, we I just want to remind you guys that we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network, and we have new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, Geekin', which is uh, the regular entertainment news and discussion show that I do with Randy McKinney, Have You Met Ted, our new How I Met Your Mother podcast that premieres uh, on February 14th with its, with its first episode. Ooh. Uh, Queen Witch is a patio book series written by Nick Jimenez. A Couple of Geeks, which is Angela and Billy. Um, they're a married couple, and they talk about geeky stuff. So that's kind of an open-ended discussion podcast where they have like one or two topics an episode, and they just go to town on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Movie Night Geek Show, which is a podcast that I do uh, with John Pavlich and Nick Jimenez. Um, we review a movie a week, uh, picked by like like I I pick a movie, uh, John picks a movie, Nick picks a movie, and then we have a listener pick, and that's our monthly schedule every month for Movie Night at Geek Show. Um, and then we've got more podcasts uh, on the way. We should actually have a new one uh, ready to announce and premiere for next week, I believe. So um, they're just uh, they just keep coming. So definitely check out the website geekshowentertainment.com. And you can listen to all of those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Uh, also, you can download them, but I don't know many people who do that. Um, also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on our episodes or articles that we regularly post on the site. If you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review, because iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. Uh, it's like a iTunes algorithm. It has something to do with good reviews versus downloads, and that's comparative to other podcasts, and that's how people find you when they search for, like, Doctor Who, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, five-star reviews are best. Uh, yeah, and better then than he... the four stars because there's more of them. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just you explaining can... the physics of math. <laughs> you can also let us know uh, how we're doing with comments, concerns, and suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc as in the doctor's companion at geekshow.us. 
All right. Do you dare give us the background and significance of this episode? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, before before we go into this, um, I don't. I don't. To be honest, I really don't even know where to start with this one because. Um, for me, this was the first Colin Baker I ever saw. Um, it's we still are in Jonathan Nathan Turner land. Um, we talked about him a little bit last week. We'll be talking about him a lot as we talk about Davison McCoy and uh, Colin Baker moving forward. Uh, we're also in a world <laughs> script edited by this guy named Eric Sayward, um, who basically came in about three episodes into Davison and basically script edited from there all the way through uh, pretty much Colin Baker's departure, although that's, you know, there's technicalities in there. Um, I don't, I, I'm, I'm stammering because I really don't even know where to start with this because it's, you, you can't really talk about this story without actually talking about the story because... Oh my God! What is it like? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, what? Like, really? Like, really? Okay. First of all, first of all, before we start getting angry emails about people saying that this is a treasured classic, because it's so, to so many people this is like a treasured classic. I don't know why. Um, uh, know that I really want to like this story, and I, I, I saw it first about nine months ago when I was doing it for my blog. <laughs> I had very much the same reaction as I know Scott did, which was basically like, what is this? And then I watched it again when I was actually writing the blog, and then I um, I, I actually was looking at like all the positives, and then I, I spent some time away from it, and I was thinking about what they were trying to do with it, and so I was like... I was in a, I was in a, it's actually not that bad. It's better the second time and like a very optimistic. It's actually one of the better Colin Baker's plays. And um, <laughs> just watching it again. Oh my God. Was I romanticizing this? Like, oh my God. Was I romanticizing it? Like I, <laughs> oh, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, again, I'm having trouble talking about it because I don't know where to start um, before we even start recapping. Well, first of all, first of all, this is um, the first season of Colin Baker. Um, he was introduced at the end of season 21. This is like the second story of season 22, and it comes after Attack of the Cybermen, which is also not very good. Um, and this season of Colin Baker is really controversial for a lot of reasons. Um, we see... Colin Baker's doctor being this very um, vindictive, not not vindictive, but very, you know, casually nihilistic sort of character where he doesn't seem to care much about the people that he cares about, which is a stark, stark contrast from Davison. Um, and we're seeing what is a decidedly dark turn for Doctor Who. Like, uh, it's really one of the, if not the darkest seasons Doctor Who has ever produced, uh, in my opinion. It's certainly the most violent. Uh, nothing ever in Doctor Who... I I've never seen Doctor Who this violent, ever. Um, and that's not even this story, that's every other story that happens in this. And it's just so dark and so sadistic, and it's just not something I'm interested in. So, like... Wait, you mean... You mean... Throwing two guys into an acid bath isn't just like a fun-loving good time, and it's <laughs> well. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but um, yeah, it's it's funny because we actually I've been re I've been reading a lot about Eric Sayward because I think the 
first of all, that's a whole discussion that we'll talk about eventually. But um, I was reading this article <laughs> interview by er- with Eric Sayward, and he was talking about some of the controversy with this season. And he was just like, he was just like, well, we did like three serious stories and we did three humorous stories. And our three humorous stories were like, you know, Vengeance on Veros, Mark of the Rani, and the two doctors and i was just sitting there just like in what world is this one of the funny episodes of your season like what and like i'll admit it's it's got some really dark humor in places but oh man what no this is ah, i just don't ask eric sayward no um but can you believe like when i heard that i was shocked i can't even like i I'm speechless. Like, what? yeah, I. Oh, I know. When I saw that, I was like, "Well, this suddenly makes everything make sense." Um, I don't yeah. think he knows the um, definition of things. <laughs> well, I think before we start, it's it's interesting to note because I was actually doing some. I've been doing some really interesting things because I I'm so fascinated with this season um, and seeing how this season got to be as dark as it is. And I was reading something about how. Um, Basically, Colin Baker's first season is really the ultimate extension of that which we saw in uh, The Caves of Androzani and Peter Davison's last season. Um, and if you think about it, like The Caves of Androzani, we're not talking about it for like five years. Um, you, you might think that's a joke, but it's not a joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, all the people at home wanting us to talk about Caves of Androzani, you're going to have to wait a really long time. Um, but basically, Caves of Androzani, for those who haven't seen it, is really violent like it's in it's incredibly violent but it's masked by this really good story and a very wonderful performance by peter davison who's basically guy against the universe um the same is true in something like resurrection of the daleks or um warriors of the deep both from davison season and this really becomes that in a lot of ways um eric sayward was really interested in um the doctor's uh struggle against um, evil people and you know like you can you can really tell that it's very much an extension of the kind of grisly nature of caves but where caves has kind of like an underlying theme of heroism and heart this is not you know um so i i think that's really where it comes from it's just like this is the ultimate extension this season of um where caves kind of leaves them leaves us off and everyone just keeps wanting to do caves randrazani but it just (sighs) there's a reason caves is so good and it's not because of this um so yeah that's that's a really long introduction to this um no that i really want Mm. (sighs) conceptually i really want to like this story like I don't know. Did you do you think about the concepts of this as like an as an idea? Like take a step back from the execu- actual execution and like look at the way that what they're trying to do with it. Because I think some of that is actually um, kind of interesting, really. You know. Yeah, I, I I but it's weird because I feel like it's actually more uh, timely um, now, or maybe maybe not now, but maybe like five years ago when like American Idol was hot. Yes. Because um, it's not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, people just kind of watch it because they're used to having it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, it. it I, I, I understand what they were trying to do, I guess, and I liked the uh, the themes of it. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, again, I just... The execution. Yeah. It's... it's, it's terribly problematic but we'll talk about we'll talk about the themes a little bit as they go through because they're actually i think they're really interesting and it's very much you know like ahead of its time 
um, in the way that Doctor Who is, like, one of those shows that is constantly ahead of its time. Because, like, you know, I, in theory, <laughs> I remember picking this, this this story, I remember saying, oh, the Doctor goes to this world in which he lands on reality television and has to escape a bunch of death traps from within this, like, television dome. That sounds really interesting. And... <laughs> I was like watching it. I was like, "What the hell?" Um, anyway, so okay, enough talking about what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, let's just talk about it. <laughs> let's just um, let's but, just talk about it. But um, before we do, uh, I want to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Lock and Key, Volume One: Welcome to Lovecraft by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. This book is available for only thirteen ninety nine or thirty percent off the suggested retail price of nineteen ninety nine. And remember, all orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Yes, thank you. To InStockTrades. Um, all right, part one. Uh, okay. Forty five minute monstrosity of an episode. <laughs> well, among other problems that the season has, um, basically the BBC at the at the at the time um, wanted to do just as heads up. This episode is forty five minutes long. Um, so it's basically the length of your normal modern era, like two-parter with, you know, like a 45-minute first part and a 45-minute second part. And that was because, like, the BBC was making a transition away from, like, half-hour um, shows, so they weren't able to fit Doctor Who in the in that sort of time slot. So what you have is, like, a 45-minute part, which is another one of those things that, like, no one in this entire season knows how to write a two-part story that is 45 minutes long and 45 minutes long. They just, they no one knows how to do it. And, like, this is just one of those things, and it's one of those really such a shame moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Said, oh my god, these sh- stories are so long. They feel so this felt, this felt, they, they are the same length as Cash Revolva, but it, they feel so much longer. Yeah, and it's not, and it's not even like there's like, there's not even like a break point where like, you know, at, at the end of like 25 minutes, like the way that a Doctor Who episode is structured in like the classic series is like the first episode is 25 minutes of nothing but setup, And then at the end, they give you like a beat that keeps you to come back next week. And then the next week is like expanding on the themes. And then the third week, third week is like, you know, building towards the finale. And then the fourth part is the finale. So it's very, it's, it's a, such a good structure that worked for like 20 years. And then they completely threw it out the window and completely forgot how to write Doctor Who for an entire season. So as if this mm-hmm. season doesn't have enough going against it. Like, this is just one of those things that just, like, hurts. Um, okay. <sighs> Let's do this. All right. <laughs> I'm psyching myself out. Um, we can cut that. Um, so, we open <laughs> on Veros, um, which is this planet that's, like, this mining planet. And it, you know, I I think it's funny because when... <laughs> The first time I saw this, like, the exterior shot of, like, Veros, I thought Moss Eisley from Star Wars because of the domes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, um, there's a lot, a of, lot of other stuff in this. Yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars. Well, that's that's part of the Nathan Turner thing where Nathan Turner was brought in to make Doctor Who more Star Warsian after the success of Star Wars. Um, well, this feels like, I, well, I mean, you know, Napoleon the Hut aside, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that little bastard. Okay. Uh, um, but like, yeah, it, it does. It definitely has like a um, like the darker points of Jedi kind of. Yeah. Very eighties sci-fi. Very eighties sci-fi. But not only that, but also I got an overwhelming vibe of of George Romero's Day of the Dead mm-hmm. through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I just I felt Day of the Dead all over it. Um, but not in a it, good way. Not in a good way. Not in a good way. 
Um, so we open on Theros, and we <laughs> first thing we see when we come into this dome is we see a television camera filming this guy who's strung up on chains, like kind of spread eagle up against a wall, and there's a laser shooting at him. So basically, we open with a scene of torture, which is just fantastic. Welcome to Doctor Who in the 80s. Um, this is what we need to be showing our children. And um, uh, I, yeah, this is I, this is the beginning of the of the end of the show too. Was this right this season? Because of how bad this, it was, like yeah. people were dropping like flies and. Well, yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them was the violence. One of them was the 45-minute. Like, you know, you can just feel the stories aren't as strong as they were just a season before. I mean, the yeah, like, so between the stories being longer and poorly told and the stories becoming noticeably darker and the violent content, like, the violence in this is just shocking to me. Um, mm -hmm. And the... Uh, the feel of it, like the just the sadism, and then the doctor, like you know, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I love Colin Baker. I think he's really one of the strongest doctors I I know. Like in in my version of like where I loved the doctor, like he's actually I think right about the middle, which is really high praise because I like all the doctors, but like poor Colin Baker, because like what they were trying to do with him was so specific and no one was really ready for it and they didn't tell anyone that they were doing it. So like people just hated him because they were like coming off of like, you know, seven years of Tom Baker, who was wonderfully charming and charismatic. And then Davison, who was wonderfully charming and charismatic and, you know, a little bit different from Tom Baker. But like Colin Baker is not like any other doctor who's been sent before or since. And like no one knew what to make of him, and people were just like, this is not the Doctor, everyone betrayed it, and what the hell? Like, so, it's not it's not surprising that people dropped it like flies, and yeah, this is really why, like, I blame this, you can blame this season for the show falling apart as it did, because people just stopped watching, because they were, it's mm -hmm. just, this is not the Doctor Who that I enjoy, personally. Like, I, again, he's he the, the closest do Doctor that I could really uh, put in the same level of, of as Colin Baker would be, I guess Christopher Eccleston, only without the smiles and giggles. Mm -hmm. I um, would agree. I would agree with that. He, um, I I tend to actually uh, I have this habit of clumping doctors into like more human doctors and more alien doctors. And Colin Baker is basically to me like the ultimate extreme of Tom Baker, where Tom Baker has this aloof alien quality where you're not really sure if he's here or not or if he actually cares like you know he cares but like it's not uh, it's it's it, it's hard to explain uh, especially because we're we're running long already but like tom baker has this really interesting sort of like apathy to him sometimes and colin baker is the ultimate extension of colin baker was very specifically saying he's an alien he doesn't care and like his arc was supposed to be that he would come to care eventually like that and that as an arc is a gorgeous arc to me so i really like that but if you look at him i actually i agree that it's eccleston eccleston is really is really a good app thing that i actually hadn't thought about so that's really good i agree but i also see a lot of tom baker in him in the sense that like if you took tom baker and just made him a nihilist that's basically where he is you know hmm I don't sure. know, that's just, that's just my thought. Um, but you can definitely tell that his doctor is very alien um, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but well, not I mean, in just a, look at his coat. Yeah, the coat. Uh, <laughs> so we, um, we cut from the scene of torture, which, again, wonderful. We're showing torture to kids. This is exactly what we want to be showing. Um, 
we cut to this couple, and I'm going to be honest. I know that they have names. I know that they're called, like, Merrick and Etta, but I don't want to call them that. Do you have any good names for these two? Maybe? Jack and Jill, I, maybe? I don't know. I, 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 I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just... I'm, I'm flabbergasted as to, like what role or purpose they serve in this, in the overall story. Well, I actually think they have a really interesting role. They're very much like a Greek chorus commenting on events without actually getting involved in it, which I think is really interesting. They're very much viewers at home in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, they, they, they're literally viewers at home, but... Because <laughs> they I, don't interact with anyone. <laughs> no, no one, ever. Um, I don't know, I just, I don't... And I was always confused, like, are they a couple? Or are they just roommates? Like... <laughs> The guy reminds me of like some like Russian worker who comes home and just has his shirt unbuttoned all the way. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just how I view him. Um, um, I you know I just it, it's they, like just constantly going back to them. I kept I kept waiting for them to enter into the story somehow. <laughs> for the doctor and, to just like break down their door and be like, "Hey, how's it going?" And they're like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> sorry, gotta come in here. <laughs> he comes in with like one of those golf carts, like he just. <laughs> drives through their wall. I would actually love that. That would probably be the best part of this story. Um, <laughs> yeah. Story for, for now, for now I would just call them Oscar and Felix. Okay, Oscar and Felix. Oscar and Felix, like the old couple. I like the odd couple. I like that. Okay, so Oscar and Felix are there, and they give us some background that they live on Veros, and they're starving and hungry and poor them. And they watch television a lot, I guess. Um, and then, then we cut to the Doctor and Perry in the TARDIS, and they're bickering that's all they're doing is just bickering and like i gotta be honest though mm-hmm. if this was the whole episode i'd be so on board yes i would completely <laughs> agree i completely agree because like while it is bickering and it's totally pointless like it's actually that's re- this is probably my favorite part of the entire story is just them oh. and the tardis oh yeah it, i just i wish it would have just been two episodes of perry and the doctor stuck in the tardis yeah no yeah. no little worm poop no little, um, <laughs> none of this, none of this grotesque nonsense. Um, anyway, so they basically are in the TARDIS and they're bickering and the TARDIS kind of breaks and the doctor, um, the doctor's like, oh no, the TARDIS is broken. I guess we're, we're screwed. And there's this really great moment where like, <laughs> where he goes, where he goes, you're lucky. And Perry's like, how am I lucky? And he's like, you're a human. You're going to die pretty soon. I have to go through like seven more lives before I get to die. You suck, which I think is really funny. Wait, um, and it, it's funny and it's also interesting because it's, again, it's another one of those things in the in the series where, you know, what's the deal with regeneration? Yeah. Like, nobody seems to know because, you know, according to Colin Baker, uh he regenerates out of his control, you know, and then yeah. but then later it seems like they have to will themselves to regenerate or something, mm-hmm. and like I in just... Last of the Time Lords, or maybe it's like yeah. a uh, they have to choose not to regenerate or something. Like it's 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 tricky, you know. Like it's one yeah. of those things that's never really explained. Um, but uh, I just wanted to say really quickly that um, there are two to me there are two things, well, two and a half things of the story that are really good. One of them is the Doctor. I. I don't know your views on Colin Baker, but I think in this story, if you remove like all of the all of the excess baggage of like exactly what he's doing, Colin Baker as a doctor is phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. I just wish he he was given better stories. I totally agree. I I I totally agree because like there's if you watch like there's just these great moments like when he's talking to Perry, this is awesome. 
it's just so good. Oh, and yeah. Even, even in the parts where, like, he's doing stuff that is, you know, technically questionable, the acid bath in particular, like, he's still doing a really good job at his at what he's basically supposed to be doing. And it's just a huge shame that he's not given, like, that opportunity. He's given that opportunity now in the, in the audio plays, which I recommend to everyone. Every Colin Baker story in the audio is amazing. At least most of them are. Um, I, if you want more Colin Baker, don't watch his stories. Um, go, watch, go listen to his audio plays and experience the magic, because it's, he's so good. Like, so good. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I'm just going to knock out what happens with the Doctor and Perry until they arrive on Vera. So, basically, they, um, they, they just, the Doctor and Perry are, like, bickering, and the Doctor resigns himself, and Perry gives him, like, this handbook about the TARDIS, and he's like, what's this? And she's like, I don't know. Just look at it, and he's like, I don't read the manual, which I think is funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, didn't we just have this conversation about women in directions? Yeah. Like... Where, on like, Doctor Who, and like, and like, Perry's actually got the got the upper hand here because the Doctor just kind of gives up real easy. Um, but he uh, he realizes that they're they're they've run out of power, but they can they have just enough. He manages to jerry rig the TARDIS just enough to get them to the planet of Veros, which has this special Zytrox seven or I don't know. It's or it's basically a giant MacGuffin. It doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter yeah. what it's called. I just want to get through this. Um, so, so they 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 head off to Veros. While this is happening, um, we get okay. Well, we get we get something of a mixed bag uh, because we we go back to Veros and we get sudden introduction to this government that's existing on Veros, and we meet the governor and this little bastard um, whose name is Sill. Um, I say bastard because there's nothing really close. And um, I'll talk about Sill first because. Because I don't want to talk about him anymore. But, um... Oh, God, he's the worst. This may be the single worst... uh, It might be the single worst character in Doctor Who history. Like, this is awful. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Not only that, but, like, amidst other... Okay, first of all, first of all, before we we start talking about, like... Before we start talking about, like, uh, the ramifications of this character. One, know that he's basically a giant... a, A tiny little poop slug who's on a... Who's on a desk that's about, like like shoulder height. So he basically is like this little tiny poop worm and he's imagine, just kind of... imagine that job of the hut yeah. had fish for dinner, pooped it out, and th- and then that poop came to life and tried to take over a planet called Veras. <laughs> and like and, and his voice is really annoying. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. And when he gets when he gets pleased or excited, he laughs with his tongue. Yeah. It's it's I'd say you'd have to see it to believe it, but I'm going to tell you right now. Don't, 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 just don't. <laughs> just take my word for it. Not worth your time. What makes it most shocking to me is that he was apparently really popular. Like, really popular. Have you heard about this? What? Yes, like, really popular. So much so that they intended, they after the quote-unquote success of this story, they planned to bring him back um, in the next season with an Ice Warrior story called Mission to Magnus, written by Philip Martin, uh, who, by the way, this story is written by uh, Philip Martin and directed by, I think it's Ron Jones. Uh, so we got that out of the way. Um... And they they Credits. wanted to bring it back. That's <laughs> and that's awful. why he shows they, up in the up... trial of a time lord. That's why. Ugh. I know. Ugh. To be to be fair, to be fair, not as bad as you think. He's the worst part of that story, but that story is actually really excellent. Just saying. Um, trust trust me. It's it, 
it's it's worth it. Um, he's actually Ugh. worth dealing with in that story. So if you want to see Syl and see how annoying he is, go watch Trial of a Time Lord. You'll see what I mean. Um, but yeah, I, I don't understand this character's popularity. Like, uh, I, I just don't. I can't. I, it's it's beyond the scope of my understandability, I guess. I, just, I can't do it. <sighs> okay, sorry. I need a Syl break. Um, okay, so... After while this is going on, we we get this scene of Syl talking to the governor, and I'm gonna be honest, the governor is the second best part of this story after Colin Baker, easily, easily. Yeah, he is excellent. Yeah, well, it's Martin Jarvis. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Martin Jarvis is this British actor guy. Um, I know him because he reads he reads Charles Dickens books on audio, like he reads audiobooks of Dickens, and his he's so good, like he's so good. So I'm just watching this, like expecting the governor to start like reciting Dickens, and he doesn't. I'm kind of disappointed every time. Um, but yeah, the governor actually in this is actually really interesting, and there's this wonderful sequence, just like you know, just like we want to want to show kids torture, we want to show kids or politics and. Uh, the goings-on of this society and the mythology of of bartering trade deals and getting good rates like ah, this is oh this is not what kids want to be watching <laughs> like really really it's not good uh, okay, okay uh. so we learn more about the society and and sill wants the ore but he wants it at a really decent price but um the governor's like we can't tell it to that price because we'll we'll all starve and the governor under <laughs> God damn. The governor undergoes um, a vote. He casts a vote out to the citizens. And he says, take a 10% pay cut in rations while we're doing this negotiation. Um, and uh, I'll and um, I'll be able to get a better deal on this ore and make life better for you. But <laughs> so it's like televised. And so he sits in this chair. And when every and when like, I think the vote is something like two to one against. So like mo- more people said, uh, no voted no against him rather than yes so they put him in this chair and then they activate this this green light which is apparently a disintegrator ray so right there again another thing we want to be showing our children is just disintegrator ways wonderful fantastic this is a funny story <laughs> God damn. okay there's a lot of light weaponry in 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 doctor who yeah well you know <laughs> you can see light weaponry i guess <laughs> I don't think it would work if it was sound. Although my favorite is, like, the weapons in this um, are, like, these laser guns, and the laser guns fire this really slow, like, beam flight. That just goes, <laughs> yeah. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> That's actually really funny. But, and so, like, when I was watching this the first time, I was like, why did you even bother doing the little light thing? Like, it just, uh, you don't need it. And then I watched a story where they didn't do, like, the little light, special effect, and then I realized, oh, otherwise it just looks like they're waving guns, so I don't really know what to make of this. It just feels <laughs> lazy. <laughs> um, so, basically, the the governor survives this disintegration ray, and he, um, and, um, he's really weak, and this person, um, his second-in-command, who's apparently making backroom deals with Syl, why, I don't know. I wouldn't really give Syl the time of day, but I guess this is a different society. Um, 
uh, basically is like, well, you have to you have to do something about this political prisoner we have, and the governor's like, well, like what? And then this random like soldier guy, did you find this? Like, did you notice this? Like this random soldier guy who's like, you know, just like a background player is basically just like, just like, well, you should just turn the laser onto a random setting so whenever, uh, whenever the laser fires, we're not sure if it's gonna kill him or not. And then the people just like listen to this, and I'm like, who are you, dude? Like, why? Who gave you the right to talk in front of this and start dictating programming? Like, really? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just, I just think it's so silly. Like it's just so really ridiculous. Um, so the governor agrees, and so they prepare to like televise this guy's execution. Again, wonderful. Let's uh, televise executions. Which, granted, uh, interesting concept, interesting metaphor. You know, the Schadenfreude of people on TV is interesting, um, at the very least, because we're watching people suffering. Um, it's the ultimate extension of that. But at the same time, let's show this on Doctor Who, which is, you know, a family program on Saturday nights. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so while this is going on, there's this there's this guard who's watching the laser beam, which is getting ready to fire, and the Doctor and Perry land on uh, Veros. And I would like to point out that we, we've blown through... The, We've blown through this, but this is halfway through the first episode, which essentially means that for the entire first episode of this story, the Doctor and Perry have not even become involved in events on Veros, which is... Uh, it's kind of awful. Like, I uh, just... I, I It's one of those problems where, like, Eric Sayward, um, the script editor, like, has gone on record and says that he didn't think that Colin Baker was good and, like, was going to be a good doctor. So, like, he would just basically write the doctor out of entire, like, sections of story to the point where, like, the final story of the season, Revelation of the Daleks, sees the doctor and Perry literally doing nothing for the entire first episode. Like, they don't meet anybody. It's just them walking around. And it's just, like... Again, we'll talk about Sayward later, but if this is your prerogative for doing Doctor Who, maybe you shouldn't be doing Doctor Who. Just as an idea. Yeah, I don't think you should be involved in the, in the show when you don't like the lead actor. Yeah, well... Yeah, that's... That's a whole discussion. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um... So the Doctor and Perry arrive, and they start giving this guy the runaround, and they're like, hey... I do love the anti-hallucination helmet gag. Yeah, oh yeah, well... This guy has like this helmet, and there's a there's a, he's there's like an anti hallucination thing on it, and there's like and he thinks that it's malfunctioning when it's really not because apparently this dome gives you hallucinations, which is you know again interesting. Um, <laughs> you're totally right. Like I just love the guys just like just like you're a hallucination, and the doctor's like, no, we're not. We're right here. This <laughs> is funny. So somehow they get the drop on this guard, and the guard gets knocked out, and the doctor um, goes over to um, goes over to the weapon and manages to free this this um, uh, political prisoner. Again, I don't I don't care enough to look up these people's names, and you might call that podcasting unprofessionalism. I just chalk it up to base apathy. Um, so, so if if it sounds unprofessional, know that it's just because I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, cause I don't, which I, which may in itself be unprofessional, but we don't care about that either. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I'm normally I'm pretty professional. I try to be as professional as possible, but like when it comes to a story like this, like I just there's gonna be some of these stories. Like I know Underworld, the Armageddon Factor, uh, Ark of Infinity, and um, Time Flight, just the name of Time in the Ronnie. 
the twin dilemma. I can just I can go on for hours listing well not hours but a couple minutes listing all the all the stories that I'm really apathetic about. And when you come to the story like this, to which I'm very apathetic about this story, like I feel passionately in, about it in a lot of ways. But in so many ways, I'm just I just want it to be over. I don't really care so much about like what the um, what the names of certain people are, especially because they're. What does it matter? Like, really, this guy doesn't actually do any. Again, sorry for the sirens. Um, this guy doesn't really do anything. This political prisoner is basically just there to run around with a doctor for like two episodes. Like, he doesn't really do anything. Nor does his wife. Speaking of, did you notice his wife? His wife is like apparently captured in this and held in this cell and not allowed to see her husband. Did you see her hairstyle? It looks like the '80s dyed on her head. Uh huh. <laughs> It just like it's like everything that's wrong with the '80s. In so many ways, that's what this season is. It's like everything that's wrong with the '80s. Like her hair just looks awful. Like it's just, oh god, who signed off on that? Um. So, the the doctor manages to free this guy, and they start running away, and we basically get a giant chase sequence through the corridors, which, admittedly cool in concept like the doctor and perry and this political prisoner running away from you know the guards of this dome while being televised and the dome is full of booby traps and and tricks that are set to like kill them like i'm I, and there's I, carnival music yeah and car- carnival music and like golf carts <laughs> or, like, sinister golf carts. yeah like evil sinister golf carts which the doctor drives at one point and is hilarious it is hilarious <laughs> That's like that's really all, funny. All, all this works on paper. Like I'm a huge fan of haunted house stories and a lot. Like I love you know booby traps and uh, confined spaces like this. But oh god, is it just like everything that's wrong with just <laughs> like it's just dark and grisly and not in like good ways, you know? Like, I love the purple zone that is supposed to induce hallucinations, and they're just like, oh, what's this? Pretty soothing music. Oh, and they all just go in like this must be the pretty soothing room and they're like oh it's a giant fly <laughs> and they see a giant fly and no one realizes that it's a giant fly it's <laughs> really funny <laughs> and Perry's just like it's the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life and the doctor's like I got this and he tells everyone to close their eyes and like pull them through and it's kind of... and then he it's actually <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you noticed this, but I noticed this because this is like the third unfortunate time that I've seen this. But people always talk about Colin Baker being like mean, vindictive, sadistic, nihilistic, and wanting to kill everything. You know, like not opposed to murder, which he, granted, in this story seems to be not opposed to murder. But um, <laughs> did you notice that he caught the fly and let it go? I just, I loved that. I thought that was so cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the doctor just like takes this fly and instead of killing it like we all would, let's be honest, um... He just, like, let the fly go, which I thought was really, was kind of nice and cathartic and quaint. <laughs> either either nice or just, like, the ultimate in apathy. Like, he just couldn't even care enough to kill it. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't even care enough to pull the wings off a fly, I guess, would be the way that Colin Baker haters would look at this. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Any Again, any port of storm that makes this story bearable. Um, so... <laughs> The the doctor, um, the doctor gets randomly separated from the doc from Perry and the very randomly. Yeah, I didn't like, even realize that it happened. Like, like he like all just, of a sudden he's by himself, and I'm like, wait, like, what? Runs down a corridor, and he's like this way, and no one follows him, which that was <laughs> yeah. funny. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> there's um, they they actually I think before this they managed to they managed to free the 
political prisoner's wife. Again, I don't care about his name. I don't care about her name. Whatever. Um, <laughs> they managed to they managed to free both of them, and they managed to run all the way back to the laser gun, and they managed to get back to the TARDIS. And the Doctor's like, "Let's just get out of here." Which, thank God, the Doctor thought of it, not me. Um, <laughs> they realize, excuse me, that the the TARDIS is gone and it's been captured by um by people, and then the Doctor gets separated, as we just said, which is lovely, um, and Perry's brought before, um, the Governor, no, no, not even, I forgot about this, what, this is, this is what's wrong with the story, okay, like, this story, like, fine, if you want to tell a story that's violent, okay, there have been violent stories in Doctor Who, like, the Robert Holmes Hinchcliffe era is, you know, it's notably violent, Pyramids of Mars, Seeds of Doom, Brain of Morbius, uh, Deadly Assassin, Mask of Dragora, Hand of Fear, Robots of Death, Robots of Death especially, Horror Fang Rock, and Talons Wang Chung. Fine. Those are violent. Okay. But th- the difference between those and this is that there's a scene where Perry is captured by the guard, I forget his name, and the guard walks up to her with his glove and slaps her across the face. And I'm sorry, but that's not okay. Like, that's not like did you i a third time i'm watching it i forgot about it until the second it happened and i was i was shocked i'm still shocked i can't believe they did that like i screw Hmm. this story (laughs) i'm 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 more interested in the fact that uh, uh the doctor like they they corner him in in the thirsty hallway. Yeah, the thirst um, the thirst the hallway of thirst as we like the to hallway of thirst. Yeah, um, where he they they cause him to hallucinate to the point that he thinks that he's thirsty even though he's not, and it tricks his body, and then supposedly he dies of thirst in mm-hmm. like seconds. Mm-hmm. But when he does this and he takes off his jacket, one of his suspenders, his braces, one of them, the question marks on it, which are terrible. One of the question marks are backwards <laughs> on one of his suspenders. That's really weird. <laughs> they're like they're like facing each other. It, maybe it's like maybe it's like one side is for when people are looking at him and the other side is for when he's looking at himself in a mirror. Like maybe Yeah. Maybe that's what Maybe he is. gets confused really easily. Oh, that's what those are. They're yeah. question marks. He's just like, "Wait, why did I have Oh, they're question marks. Oh, okay." <laughs> like I didn't recognize them backwards um, because I'm Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, we get it. I also like to point out that there's like the hallucination of this is basically the Doctor thinks that he's in this desert, and it's actually kind of grisly watching the Doctor basically th- uh, thirst to death. I guess is the term. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You see, you're starving to death, but I guess thirsting to death is the other term. Is there a term for that? I don't know. I, I would assume it's that. <laughs> okay, well, basically, I'm just going to say that. He was thirsting to death. <laughs> he's, like, hallucinating. <laughs> and there's this really funny thing where he's basically staggering down the corridor and looking at, like, this imagined vista of this desert. And <laughs> there's, like, an image of, like, like this ghost image of Perry. <laughs> Harry is, like, holding a drink and drinking it, which I was just like, okay, your hallucination is just really vindictive at this point. Like, <laughs> like it's bad enough that you're making him thirsty, but you're, like, making him want thirst by, like, mm. offering it with Perry. Like, it's so good. <laughs> she, was, she was like, come here, doctor. Have some of my drink. And you're like, what? Like, this is weird. How did they even know that the doctor... Not important. <laughs> it's just, just like... And it's not like that persists. Like, it's only there for, like, one shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really now, funny. Now, the, the, the ending, which is basically, um, oh, the doctor's dead. He died of thirst. Okay. Mm-hmm. I... 
I hate these endings. I hate them mm-hmm. because no, he's not. Of course, yeah. he's not. Mm-hmm. And not only not only that, but we're still we're so this is the uh, third episode from his regeneration. Yes, he, he's not dead again already. Yeah, I'm like not. you. I, it's like I just I think that's it's just lazy writing. It is. I think mm-hmm. it's a lazy cliffhanger, and I hate it. Well, that's the thing about that's the thing about cliffhangers is like. Um, when you're doing a cliffhanger, the easiest cliffhanger to do is to point a gun at the doctor or his companion and say, oh no, you're in trouble. Um, I can think of very few times where it actually works, um, mostly because, like, you know, the doctor's not going to really get shot. Like, you have to see the person actually pulling the trigger. Like, spoilers for Caves Part 1, but that's why Caves Part 1 is really effective, because, like, you watch that and you're just like, oh man, the doctor's not getting out of this, you know? Like, that's why that mm-hmm. one works. But it doesn't work here, um, because, like... <laughs> he's not really dead. Like, let's be honest, he's not really dead. Um, well, and I just love too. They're like, they're like, there's no signs of life. He must be dead. And it cuts to him on the thing, and he's breathing, <laughs> like obviously breathing. Like you couldn't even pause the video to make it look like he wasn't breathing. Like, <laughs> apparently not. I think, <laughs> I think it's just because they didn't have HD back then, so like they couldn't tell as easily, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my excuse because once you have HD, you can tell everything. You know, <laughs> I don't know. That's apparently Veros is all about marketing because apparently Veros markets these um these shows as reality shows and sells them off on like on like markets. Um, they get a distributor and they just like they sell them out at a fair share and that's how they basically make their revenue. Which I don't know if that can sustain an entire planet, but whatever. Yes, it doesn't really matter. I don't really care about Veros anyway. It's a stupid planet full of corridors. Um. They should have just randomly found a way to blow up the planet at the end. I would love that. I would actually have loved that a lot. Um, just because the doctor's like, well, I think... too bad. Just... Spoilers for the Like, seriously, they don't even have to change much. Just, like, spoilers for the end. Felix and Oscar are like, what do we do now? Random shots at the planet. And that's it. That's that would be end. my version of it. Like... If I were to rewrite it, I'd just have that long shot, and I'd be like, I'd be like, and then I'd be like, I'd have one of those like at record scratch, like, and then it'd just be me on screen, like, screw it, <laughs> that would be the end, like that would literally be how I end the story. Um, yeah. Well, one of the things actually, I actually did want to mention about this cliffhanger is this cliffhanger is considered one of the strongest cliffhangers, actually. Um, and the reason that I think it actually works, the uh, doctor dying aside, because that's bullcrap. Um, th- what I really like about this is the the way that the the cliffhanger is like metatextual, because at the end you have basically everyone in the Verosian um, like control room is watching the screen, and the the governor, who's apparently got director rights on this because he can tell the camera what to do and when, uh, basically says and cut away from it now, and then the camera cuts to the basically the shot cuts to black on the screen and then you hear Sil laughing and then you cut away to um, the the end of episode credits and like while I agree that the cliffhanger doesn't work because you don't believe that the doctor's dead I think that the cliffhanger works from a like a structural standpoint I think it's actually a really powerful cliffhanger from that um, especially because like you know the doctor's in peril how is he going to get out of this one at a very you know on a very base level but at the same time it's like cut away to commercial now and then the episode cuts out I think that um, that as a thing was actually really well done um, I don't know sure 
yeah, like it's one of those things that like of the uh, again, it's one of those like, any port of storm, anything that makes this episode a little bit makes me enjoy this a little bit better. I'm OK with because it's in such pain. Um, so we come back. Part two. Good God. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. OK, <laughs> before we start talking about part two, um, I went into this really, really excited, not excited, but like optimistic and <laughs> At a certain point in part two, we were talking about this just before we started recording, but, like, I was actually doing pretty well in part one. Um, I was trying to find as many good things to think about, but at a certain point, all of the good things basically hit a wall, and then all of my, like, cynicism and hatred and, like, you know, modern 21st century internet troll bile just basically bubbled up to the surface, and I started writing notes like, I hate this story, screw this guy, <laughs> this should die, why am I watching this, I hate Doctor Who, F this, you know, just like, <laughs> crazy comments, like, because I, I was doing pretty well, but at a certain point in the story, I actually stopped caring, and started being really angry, because um, I think, I think I was like, we were talking on like, I am, I remember like, I remember that I just sent you an I am, and I was just like, screw this. <laughs> 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 like I hate I hate this right now. Um okay. Pushing through. Let's try and finish this as quickly as possible. So, the doctor basically is brought a, brought away to a um to an acid bath. Why is it an acid bath? I don't know. Let's just be as mean and vindictive and sadistic as possible. Um so basically he's brought to an acid bath where they're going to televise the the acidic breakdown of the doctor's uh, persona, which is again what kids want to see. And the, these two <laughs> guards who are, like, guarding it and um, guarding this bath, and they're uh, basically dumping bodies in to test the acidity, which is just lovely. Let's tell everyone how lovely the acidity is. And the doctor, basically, we find out that he wasn't dead. He just pricked him. He just put himself into one of those Time Lord comas that he seems to be able to do whenever he wants to, which is, you know, stay handy. Too fair. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. Let's just encourage that. Um <laughs> He, and he shows up and he's like, hey, how's it going? And he startles one of the guards so much that the guard just falls into the acid bath. And then there's a struggle in which um, the doctor manages to... Uh, he, like, grapples with the guy and, like, manages to pick up one of the stretchers and they fight over the stretcher and the other guy basically gets... The the first guy to fall into the pit basically grabs the other guy and pulls him in in an attempt to get out. And the other two basically fall in. And... Of all the sequences in this entire story, this is easily the most controversial. Because mm -hmm. the doctor basically, when he's done with that, uh, turns to the acid bath and says, sorry if I won't join you, and then basically leaves. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of quippy. Um, <laughs> I can tell from earlier that you aren't a fan of this. Um, no, I hate this scene. I'm going to be honest. Okay, <sighs> how do I break this down? From an acting standpoint, Colin Baker nails it gonna be honest like the line is retarded i hate this line i think it's so stupid but at the same well, it's time, like it's it's a it's a james bond line i mean that's what it is it is but and like but like where james bond james bond works because he has like a uh very he's very again apathetic towards like what's going on he's just like suave and whatever but like this comes off as mean and vindictive like oh ha 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 you kind of deserve this but i don't know i've seen this sequence a bunch of times and like i think that actually it's just poorly written where it's just needlessly violent again it's really rough to watch but like colin baker you know he does his, he does his best with the material and i think of the 
If you're going to have to deliver that line, I think Colin Baker gets the best of that line because it's, you know, he does his best attempt to make levity of the situation, which is, you know, the doctor's hallmark. Um, there was an interview with Matt Smith on Nerdist. Did you hear this one, the Nerdist interview with Matt Smith? Yeah, okay. yeah, I did. Yeah, great, great stuff. There's a there's a part in that interview, I don't know if you remember it, where, the doc, where he's like, well, the doctor has to be funny and he has to laugh at things because otherwise he would lose his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really that's really exemplified here. Like, uh, from that perspective, I can kind of rationalize this away. It's still awful. It's still wantless, wantonly, needlessly violent. But at the same time, like, I can, you know, I can, I can. Kind Especially of... when the first guy pops out and he's all oh, like, he's like gooey, acidy, and oh, it's just oh, his flesh is melting off, and it's just like again, again, like the, there's a thing where uh, Nathan Turner has said that people remember the past fonder than it is, and. That doesn't really work in this modern era when we can watch the past and see that, like, this is so much more violent than what the previous Doctor Who had done. Like, uh, it just, it's not, it's not even comparable. And, like, their, their desire to show violence and not, like, how do I say this? Sorry. Um... <laughs> there's a, there's an argument with the story, and Sayward has gone on record. Eric Sayward, script editor, has gone on on record saying that there's violence in the world. You have to present violence. Uh, if you're going to prevent present violence, don't glorify it. And like, there's a difference between like uh, presenting violence in a way that makes it horrific, um, which was really well done in the Hinchcliffe Holmes era. Like, there's none none of that violence is violence that you're supposed to be actively enjoying. But so much of this story is wantonly sadistic. Like, to the point where you just have people who will... Like, again, guy who slaps Perry for no other reason, like, never seen Perry before in his life, just slaps her because she's there. That level of violence, like, that's just... Uh, that's that's not okay in my book. Like, it, it might be okay to some people, but... It's not for me. Like, it's just... It's... Oh, screw it. Um... <laughs> sorry. So... so the doctor basically gets away and he manages to um walk over to this storage locker where he finds this And then clothes. he tries on an SMM mask. He tries on this really weird SMM mask which is like it's like a it doesn't really it's only got like one eye hole but he's still wearing like the ridiculous like coat of many colors that he has. And like this dude who we're going to call the phantom because he's kind of a jackass. Um shows up and is basically like like what are you doing here and the doctor's like I'm one of you and the guy's like no you're not <laughs> like who are you fooling man like you're wearing this giant coat you're not fooling anybody <laughs> like this is just this is just uh, this script is awful it's really just... bad it's really it's so bad. bad. I hate this script so much. Well, it's also really funny. Just cause... like just just like earlier, like Perry is like, "Oh no, he can't be dead. It's awful." And she's like crying and like sad. And I'm like, "You were there for his regeneration. <laughs> you know that he can do that. He's not doing it. You know that he's not dead. Like, what is wrong with you?" <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's the script one, makes no it's sense. Just, it's not good. Well, it's one of those things where, like, Philip Martin. Like, Philip Martin wrote another. He wrote, as far as I know, he only wrote three other Doctor Who stories. One was Mission to Magnus, which they turned into a, a big finish audio play that was lost from the season after this, when Doctor Who was threatened to be canceled. Um, he also wrote Mind Warp, which was the second act of the four act Trial of a Time Lord, which I actually think is really excellent, but not for reasons of what he did. Um, he also wrote this big finish audio starring the Eighth Doctor Char- and Charlie Pollard, who's, again, magnificent. Um, we'll talk about the Eighth Doctor in a couple weeks. But 
wrote this audio play, and like for my money, it's one of the worst audio plays that's out there, and it's just as good as this. <laughs> like, oh. don't don't listen to it. I'll tell you, you can literally skip it. I'll, I'll when you get there, I will tell you. Um, <laughs> regular <sighs> conversations going on during the podcast. Um. So the doctor basically gets carted away to um, to wherever he's getting carted away to. I don't know. He's captured. Whatever. The doctor's captured again. Lovely. Right. He's ca- he's he's captured. He's put in a jail cell. Then he's taken out of the jail cell and led to the gallows. The where, gallows. Where the gallows? They're literally doing a hanging on the show. Literally. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like. What? And then and then Perry and the other prisoner's uh, wife with the bad eighties hair. They're led into another room, in which uh, they turn Perry into a werebird. Yeah. And the other chick into an albino Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> Albino Klingon. Um, well, oh God, I hate that so much. It's terrible. I hate it so much. Like it's not only that, but like again, just talking about Philip Martin a minute ago. Philip Martin has this weird fascination with species becoming other species. Like you see it in Perry becoming this bird, which is awful. Like it's just awful. Like why are we? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I have no words for this. I don't have any words. Um, but, but like in in Mind Warp, Mind Warp is also about has some interspe- interspecies like transmogrification a little bit. Not as much as in this. Like it's it's not nearly as uh, pronounced. I don't think. Um, but like the, the the aforementioned big finish play Creed of the Crawman literally has like Charlie Pollard being turned into a giant worm, and it's just like. Oh, I hate Philip Martin so much. Like, Ugh. oh God, I, I, again, my own personal biases, but I hate worm aliens. If you have a worm alien, like Jabba the Hutt is okay because that's, you know, that's, there's only one of him and you're not really supposed to like him and he's only there for like comedic purposes um, and to be kind of a threat. Um, uh, but, oh my God, do I hate well, any any and he works because he's just a gangster, so he doesn't yeah. need to do anything. He just bosses everybody else around and he si- and he sits there, which is kind of funny, and he makes Leia dress up real hot, which is fine uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also his his tongue waggles around when he gets choked to death, so that's good, yeah, which is fun. I like that I really, really <laughs> yeah. enjoy that but i I hate worm aliens, which is why I hate cell, so maybe you like worm aliens, maybe you like cell. Uh, wonderful. I'm I'm proud of you, and hopefully you like the story more than I do. Um, Screw worm aliens and poop aliens and yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty Ugh. much. Um, so we're they're at the gallows, and the doctor is basically confronting the governor, who he hasn't really met until now. Um, and he's like, and he's like, who's this? Who's this jackass? And so I was like, what are you talking about? I ain't no jackass. Which is funny because he totally is. Uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> And the doctor basically turns to the governor and he's like, "What is he here?" And the guy and the, the governor's like, "Well, he's negotiating our ore settlements." And the doctor's like, "Why are you doing that? I have a ship that's run on ore. You should be able to get as much money for your ore as possible." And the guy's like, "What are you talking about?" And so it's like, "Execute him! Execute him! Execute him!" And he sends his like random two stock like non-talking black guards over to like pull the lever. His 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 Roman SNMers. Yeah, yeah. his Roman SNMers. I like that Roman SNMers. Um, <laughs> Pulls them over to like the the switch, and they manage to pull the switch. And but it turns out that the governor rigged the hanging so that it wasn't really a hanging; it was actually like a fake sort of thing. 
Can I just say that the hand-to-hand combat in classic Doctor Who is just astounding? Yeah, it's like it's like Star Trek, but like it makes Star Trek look like you know Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like it's like somebody get these people choreographer. I mean, really? <laughs> yeah. I like my favorite is when the the other prisoner. Um, we'll call him Ken. We should be calling them Ken and Barbie. Ken what and Barbie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like so, that. Ken and Barbie. So so Ken. Like, after the gallows thing, and, and he's being held by one of the prisoners, and, like, this is when um, the doctor grabs the gun or yeah. whatever. And but he, 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 ra- he, he, like, wrestles that gun out of that guy's hand by just kind of, just, just kind of, like, moving his shoulder slightly, and then the guy just goes down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's a really great sequence. Like where, a like, lead weight. <laughs> he's, like, where he's, like, chained up, and he, like, manages to kick the guy, and it's, like, the most acrobatic yeah. kick you've ever seen, and it doesn't even yeah. make contact, and it's so obvious. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's... Astounding. It's, it's pretty laughable. I also forgot to mention, there's also a great part where... Where they manage to run away from when they just free Ken from the thing. This is way back in part one, and I'm sorry for going back like this, but it, we have to talk about this. Um, and he has a name now, so it works oh, better. Better. We can talk about him as Ken. Um, <laughs> where they free Ken, the doctor takes the laser beam and sets it off as like this, like this, like uh, trip wire sort of thing. So whenever you get in the way, you get shot. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? Like the doc, like. Oh my god! Like I am so against the doctor using weapons. Like as a general rule, because the doctor's, you know, he's he's awesome because he uses his mind to get himself out of problems. But like, oh, did you notice this? Like he just yeah. he just sets this gun and this gun like basically like hits this guy and starts frying him alive. And it's just like, what is this story? Like again, what the hell is this? Like oh my god. Mm-hmm. Okay, enough talking about that. Okay. Oh. The worst part about Syl, I almost forgot. Mm-hmm. The worst part about Syl is that he's ripped. Yes. He has turd abs and had <laughs> <laughs> poop pecs. That's poop pecs. This is a thing. That's a part of this this thing's character. <laughs> He's ripped. And if you think about it, you're just like, does he use that to like pick up chicks? Is he just like Hey, well, apparently out. he just does it to pick up himself because he's like looking. He's like, hand me a mirror, hand me a mirror. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's so obsessed with his self-image. It's just like, dude, you were. Born but then that he's way. ashamed of it too because he's just like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then other people walk in the room. He's like, what? I'm not doing anything. <laughs> he like puts the mirror down. <laughs> I will never understand this character. Like, oh god, it's like Ferengi. It's like the Ferengi's way worse because the Ferengi's are all very full of themselves. Selves. <laughs> well, they're actually kind of a lot like Ferengi's now that I think about it. But I like the Ferengi's more because they actually have rules of acquisition, which is always awesome. Also, and, also they're bartenders and they're not poop. Then um, <laughs> they're not poop. <laughs> um, so the doctor manages to convince the governor to. Um, to uh, to listen to what he has to say because he can get Veros a really great deal, which is funny because I guess the doctor's like a used car salesman where he's just like, hey, cut me free and I'll cut you a really good deal. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they managed to go back to the control room um, and the doctor's like, I'll help you, but only on the condition that you've let Perry and Barbie go. And, and the guy's like, it will be done. And <laughs> And the second-in-command um, guy, who I don't even know what he looks like. He looks like the first mate of a pirate ship. Like, really, all that he's missing is, like, a, a single, like, like small ring on his ear, you know? 
just on one side because he has like the mustache and the cue ball head and he's got like that kind of look to him. <laughs> the doctor goes to like to like they go to the control room and they're they're discussing like why this will work and the doctor's like, well, I want to see Perry first. <laughs> And the governor's like, well, bring bring her out. The, the second in command is just like, is just like, I can't, <laughs> because the the process is already underway. <laughs> the governor's like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Which again, uh, oh man, if I had a nickel for every time that someone was undermined in Doctor Who, like I would be so rich because this is like we had it happen in the Silurians. We had it happen in like in like <laughs> what was the other one? A Genesis of the Daleks. Like there's just constantly like people undermining other people and no one like realizing this is a really bad idea. <laughs> um, so, I know this story's painful. Um, so the doctor manages. There's a small uprising in the control room where the doctor and Ken manage to get ho- get hold of some guns, and the doctor uses a very them. small uprising. A very small uprising between like two people and like four guards, um, mm-hmm. where the doctor manages to get his hands on a gun, which is wonderful. Let's use let's which sh- he then holds like a like a British gentleman. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like totally like. <laughs> He's got it, like, pointed way away from him and kind of at a down angle, sort of. Uh-huh. It's just, it's amazing. And, like, like, up, like, almost above his head. Yeah, it's so, it's so gorgeous. I love, I love it. <laughs> you just, like, you, you can just tell that the doctor doesn't know how to shoot a gun. He just knows about it from, like, from, like, watching it on movies and stuff. Does, does Colin Baker ever fence? I don't, I don't know. Actually, he doesn't. But I know who does fence. Oh. Pertwee. John Pertwee. Yeah. Well, that makes that makes sense, but that's probably more fencing in the Errol Flynn style yeah, of fencing. Probably. I'm thinking like proper fencing, like with one arm behind his back or whatever, and like that's that's what I picture. Man, Colin Baker should have fenced. I know, right? Wouldn't that be so good? It would make this story so much better. Like, you know what? I could probably completely excuse this story if he was fencing with someone for like you know maybe just five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> five minutes of fencing. Let's, let's Absolutely. Um. <laughs> so he manages to like destroy the machine and he let's rewrite this episode. <laughs> I would love to I would love to just like wipe this episode out of existence and write it the way it should be written cuz again so many good ideas so poorly executed. Like so poorly mm-hmm. executed the concept of putting everything on TV and and a really cool place full of booby traps and stuff like that. Oh god, it's awful. Um 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 um, 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 um. Where were we? We were talking about the uh, the Perry he has a gun. freed. And he was holding it awesome. Yeah, wonderful. Um, now he's <laughs> holding it awesome, and so they go over to uh, the transmogrification room where Perry's a bird. Like literally, Perry's turned into a bird at this point. Without a beak. Without a beak, but like <sighs> feathers. I can't even. I can't even bring myself to get through it because I hate talking about it so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> God. But luckily, they hadn't turned on the last portion of it, so they yeah. could revert her back in half a second. Yeah, that's the best part. Like, they spent, like, the past, like, 20 minutes getting her to this point, and then they cut away, and, and when they cut away, like, when they cut back to Perry, she's normal. Like, like, like really? That looks just fine, and the doctor's like, we have to reassociate Perry to herself and get Barbie off the table, we'll get her fixed. <laughs> You are you are not a bird. <laughs> You're Perpagillium Brown, which is you know it's a cool, it's a fine sequence, especially because the Doctor. If you think about it from like uh, a cave's perspective, where the Doctor cares about Perry so intrinsically, like it's pretty, it's it's touching, it's nice, wonderful. Any Porter Storm, 
We're probably gonna call that episode this that this episode that any port of storm. <laughs> we're not we're not gonna call it that. Um, so <laughs> unless we do, I don't know. I'm covering all my bases. I'm gonna say we might or might not call this episode that. I don't know yet. We can cut all this out. <laughs> I, think I won't. I think. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think I'm actually. I'm gonna be honest with you. We're an hour in. I think I'm losing my mind. And you. <laughs> You can probably hear it, but I'm really losing my mind, so I'm trying to get through this as fast as possible. So, okay, so Ken, Barbie, and the Doctor, and Perry all run away, and they they, they start running through the complex again, because they, they got away from the governor and all this stuff. Perry gets separated, why, how, it doesn't really matter, I don't know. The Doctor grabs a golf cart, and he steals it, and Ken and Barbie drive away. They're like, we have to find Perry, and they're... <laughs> Instead of being like, let's go back for Perry, which the Doctor should totally do, he's like, no, let's press on and continue through the through the mystical wonderness that is this awful city, because they're trying to get to the final exit, which apparently, at the end of... <laughs> this is the funniest thing to me. At the end of this dome, when, when they finally make it through all the trips, the, the trips, traps, and maze elements of this, eventually they're going to get to just a door, and the door's going to lead to the outside world. <laughs> Which I think is, like, can you imagine, like, at the end of this, there's just a giant, like, door marked exit with just one of those crossbars on it that you just push out and exit into the exit. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we got to see that eventually, but we don't. Um, because I think that would be, that would make this so much easier. I'm losing my mind. Okay! So... Or somebody, somebody, they just, like, like, Barbie just all of a sudden, like, yells out a safe word and like somebody who works at the haunted house like shows up and he's like alright let me lead you out <laughs> you suddenly hear like the, suddenly and the doctor like, and you're just like wait what <laughs> all the fluorescent lights come up and nothing's as scary as it was okay forget about the planet up. blowing up Forget about the planet blowing up. That would have been the best ending. Yeah, I would love that. And some fa- some fat guy <laughs> comes out and wearing a black shirt. And he's like, "You're on candid camera. Here's a ticket to the next showing." Like, you know, <laughs> something really pathetic like that. Oh a lame man! Prize. I want a lame consolation prize for reviewing this episode. You guys have no idea how much this episode sucks. And I'm not even telling you to watch it because you shouldn't. Um, sorry. Okay, Zen, please. Okay, so they manage to run, they start running away um, towards the exit, and while this is going on, Perry is brought back before the governor, and the evil first-in-command is just like, second-in-command is just like, well, I'm calling for another vote, and I think that you're a sucky governor, so we're going to have a vote saying if people want to vote you out or not, and, and, uh... Um, if you and if you they want you out, we're gonna turn on the disintegrator beam and just disintegrate you again. Wonderful. Let's just do that. Which I actually, I thought this was really interesting. Is the concept of the society is that you have to make really good decisions, and if you don't make really good decisions, you'll die. Um, <laughs> which I think is actually pretty topical because, like you know, when a person gets elected into power, they can basically do whatever they want until they need to be reelected. But here they're just like, okay, we elected you, so now you're accountable, and if you make poor decisions that we don't like, or if you try to pass legislation you don't like, you get burned for it. <laughs> which I think is like kind of a broken system, <laughs> but, but okay. Um, so um. <laughs> Perry. Not um, only do you not get your way, but we're also going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not. It's not good enough that that um, we're not going to do what you wanted to do. Uh, that's not good enough. No, we need to. We need to watch you burn. Yeah. Also. It's so sadistic and vindictive. I hate the society. You guys deserve to blow up. Like, really? Come on. Horrible mm-hmm. people. Um. 
So, well, <laughs> after the planet blows up in the alternate ending, like <laughs> it just flashes back to the TARDIS and like uh, and the Doctor and, and Perry are in there. And Perry's like, "Oh no, the whole planet blew up!" And the Doctor's just like, "Oh, I must have, I must have. What was that thing called? The the laser thing that he set up as a trap?" He's just like, "Oh, I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> Oops." <laughs> <laughs> he just gives like a, a big shrug at the camera, and then you hear wow, like and it just goes yeah. the credits. Yeah, good riddance, good riddance. That would have been such a better ending than what we had. Oh, guess, God. guess I didn't like their legislative <laughs> shrug. <laughs> credits. I love. I love that. That's, that's my new favorite. I, okay, either either giant exit door at the end, or or that. Let's see how many other crazy ones we can come up with. Hopefully not too much, because I don't want to be talking about this story for very much longer. But we're talking about better alternate versions. <laughs> true, true. Right. Let's spend another hour. Let's spend an hour talking about how much this story would have been better if we had just changed a few things. Um. Uh, let's see. The Phantom, the guy who has the mask. Uh, first of all, let's not make. Although him... not anymore, it gets ripped off. Yeah, it gets ripped off, and he has like boils and stuff, and he never thinks to put it back on. Like once the secret's out, he's like, "Screw it, I am what I am," which is good for him. <laughs> I'm owning, owning this. Yeah, he's like, he's like, this is the way I look. Okay, let's do this. He's <laughs> <is> funny, <laughs> but like, so so the, basically, um, before the vote is taken, the government. The governor appeals to one of the guards um, who brought the doctor and um, uh, Ken to Perry and Barbie um, and says, you're a loyalist to me. Uh, let us go. You, Because you don't want what's going on right now. You think that it's a bad idea, which is good. At least not, not everyone on Veros is drunk and strung out on heroin. Um <laughs> So, uh, while the people vote to uh, expel the governor, um, the the guy, the guard person, basically pulls out a gun and shoots out the disintegrator ray and says, come on, let's go! And he basically, like, runs through a secret passage and manages to escape. Uh, while, <laughs> while this is going on, um, Sil, not Sil, um, the second in command, the Phantom, and a couple other guards head out to the end of the arena where they're going to try and capture the Doctor and Ken and Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> who uh. randomly come across a couple of cannibals who are in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Because, <laughs> like, like, literally, there's these two guys who are just, like, running through, running around in, like, this death trap who are just, like, they're wearing, like, these... <laughs> Diapers and not wearing any clothes, and they're cannibals. I love that Ken is just like fellow prisoners. <laughs> he's like, he's like this. This could be me in a couple hours. Crap! Like I gotta be friends with these people. And the doctor's like, no, no, no. you don't want to be friends with these guys. They want to eat you, and they're wearing diapers. <laughs> Like seriously, and then, as if you think and then this... like I love that they 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 run away from the cannibals and they go into this little area with like these vines that you don't want to touch because they're poisonous. So of course one of the cannibals 
gets attacked by one of the vines, and he goes down, and so what does the other cannibal do? It hobbles back and forth for a second, like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, I'll just eat him. And just takes him and just drags him away. Like, like, oh my god, Fred! Oh my god, Fred! Oh my god, Fred! Wait, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. And then he just starts eating the guy, and you're just like, what the hell? Like, like seriously, as if you thought this story could not get any worse, then naked cannibals show up. And it's just like, <laughs> oh my god. Like, not only not only naked cannibals, but I think it's important to note that they're, they're naked, like, 55-year-old cannibals. Yeah, they're not even, like, sexy cannibals. Like, you know, if I'm going to get eaten, at least it's by people who are, you know, kind of, you know, attractive-looking, you know, like, like traditional islander sort of, like, you know, Caribbean cannibal or whatever. Sorry, that's probably... They're both, really they're both old and flabby, and one of them is overweight. Yeah. Like, and you're like, you're like, he really likes human flesh, you know? <laughs> oh, okay, I'm losing my mind. Oh, wow. So the Dr. Ken and Barbie manage to get into like this this forest full of vines which basically if you touch a if you touch a vine you die. So it's basically like instead of poison ivy like death ivy. Um And like death ivy. Uh, and like the rules on this are like if you touch it you die, but at the same time like if you watch they're just touching this stuff like like all over, like it is all over the doctor's clothes. So basically, he's gonna have to wash his coat when he gets out. And no one can touch his coat, which is fine. No one really wants to, anyways. Um, sorry. I actually like the coat. I'm gonna be honest. It's grown on me. It's not my. F- it's not as good as it could have been, but I kind of like it. I I, I like the. Uh, I I like the contrast from his coat to the situations that he's in. Yeah, it's. It's wonderfully colorful and jubilant, and then all of a sudden you realize that you're in, like, this dark pit of nightmarish hell, and you're just like, oh my god, screw it. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so... so... <laughs> they, they, they start to set a trap because they hear that another golf cart's coming, and... <laughs> <laughs> this golf cart arrives and it has the second in command and the phantom and a couple guards and they manage to catch up with them and, the, and they've managed to cut off the doctor and Ken and Barbie just before they manage to escape from this pit of hell that is this this death ivy forest thing which uh, you know what I'm not even going to mention other things I just want to get through this okay so <laughs> they manage to like set a trap for these guys and then the phantom starts talking about how much he's going to enjoy killing them which again sadism just lovely for Doctor Who um and the doctor sets the trap and pulls the trap and let, basically releases the vines on these guys and kills them. Which is fantastic. The doctor killing people. Just, this is, this is wonderful. And one of, I can't, God. One of the <laughs> one of the rationalizations for this is that um, Eric Sayward was like, look, there are dark forces in the universe and sometimes you have to kill them. And I'm like, you have no understanding of the doctor, do you? Like, like, Really? <laughs> Like, that's the rationalization, is, like, there are sometimes dark forces in the universe that you can't deal with rationally. It's like, no, but that's why we have the Doctor, because he's the ultimate rational being who won't fight these people, and he won't kill them. And it's just like, oh my god, this is so far away from what Doctor Who is. Like, oh, it's so far away. It's it's amazing, because, like, if you compare this to the Daleks, or uh, the, the Troughton episode the we invasion. did, the um, invasion, like, it's like... Is this the same show? Yeah, How is this the same show? Yeah. Or even even compare it to Castrovalva. It's totally like and this is like oh, yeah. 3 years from Castrovalva. Castrovalva was in 1982. This is 1985. So like this is like 3 mm-hmm. years later and like 
how does it go so wrong in three years? Like, how do you go from Castro Valva, which is, you know, bright, well-lit, bouncy, adventure, fun, going from that to this, which is everything but, is just insane. <laughs> how do you go from Castro Valva to, like, uh, an 80s metal music video? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, except there's not any dancing hot chicks or, like, men with metal hair either, which is kind of depressing. I mean, what? Um, so... There's the Barbie has 80s in her hair. <laughs> well, the 80s, All up in her hair. Her 80s just died on her hair. Like, it crawled up there and just died. <laughs> so she's becoming the scapegoat very quickly for all the things that are wrong. Um, so... <laughs> so, the doctor and um, Ken and Barbie are just like, well, we can't go through there because we basically just just set all the traps and ha- now there's a bunch of vines in our way. So I guess they didn't really think that through. Um, and they managed to get to the other side where the cannibal has left. Um, and they see Perry and the governor and the guard who let them out. And they're just like, wait, don't come in here. There's tons of vi- vines and they managed to escape. Lovely, lovely. So we're done with that story, I guess. Um, and then we cut back to the control room where Syl is having his vanity moments and he's getting moistened, which is gross. And he's like looking at himself in the mirror and he's like, I have to look really good because he fully expects to become the new emperor of this planet because his people are going to like acquisition it. And then the doctor and everyone like shows up and is like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, what are you guys doing here? You guys suck. <laughs> I can't, I can't even think, did you, did you realize how much of a deus ex machina this story is? Like, oh yeah, what the hell? Like, as if all this doesn't matter, like, first of all, we're dealing with, like, two episodes of just boring ore politics, talking about how much Veros is gonna get paid for this ore that's really valuable, or whatever, and then all of a sudden, Syl gets an incoming message from a battle fleet, and the battle fleet's like, wait a minute, we found a bunch of ore on this asteroid, so we don't even really need the planet that you guys are doing, because we don't have to pay them for this ore. And, like, as if that's not enough. Like, that's a huge, like, oh, randomly there's another asteroid somewhere else that will magically manage to fix all the problems. And then, as if that's not enough, they're, then they go and, like... They send another message saying that, well, now in order to mine this ore, we're going to need more ore. So now go pay the Verosians however much they ask for for this ore. And it's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, like as if as if it's not bad enough that you deus ex machina the ending. Like, you deus ex machina that ending into a happy ending. Like, what is that? Like, honestly, what is that? Oh, my God. Oh my god, this story sucks. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> and then the Dr. Perry head away. Everything's looking happy for Veros. And then there's, we cut back to the Greek chorus, who has been coming in and out of the story all along the way, but I didn't really want to talk about them, so screw them. Um, <laughs> and then they're like, they're like, and so the, the, the governor comes on TV and he's like, well, we had a really good time. We're all looking towards a bright and happy tomorrow. We're turning off all the screens. <laughs> Which I think is really funny, because apparently everyone apparently wants these screens to the the television of like really vindictive evil mean television to turn off. <laughs> so they they basically turn off the TV and we're left in like this great moment where it's like where they they turn to each other and we're like no more no more television. They're like they're like I know what are we gonna do and they're like the person's like I don't know and then they look at the screen and the screen's all fuzzy. <laughs> and then we end. But I'm just thinking like 
compare that to modern day society like that's such an optimistic view on the world where like can you mm-hmm. imagine if they turned off like real housewives of blank and jersey shore and the bad girls club and all these really awful shows that you see on the soup people would riot like it wouldn't even be like <laughs> it wouldn't even be like you know like oh good for us let's go watch quality television just be like no let's go watch our bad crappy television like i don't i'm actually i i was half expecting like because we didn't talk about this but uh during the last governor vote mm-hmm. um the the guy uh, we'll we'll say that's Oscar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oscar steals Felix's vote yeah. because it's on the TV. It's like there's two buttons next to e- either side of the monitor. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, so four buttons total, like yes and no on both sides. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when he takes his vote, he votes for her for yeah. Felix and just no no. And she gets really pissed off and then he tries to vote again. So I was half expecting the end shit to be like, what do we do now? And she's just like, ah, and just kills him <laughs> she just like strangles him and like takes a bite just, out of his cheek and there's like blood yeah, dripping down just, his throat just murders just murders him in cold blood and just <laughs> she's just like ah and she stands over him and like raises her hands and then all of a sudden you hear that and then and then the two cannibals show up in the diapers <laughs> <laughs> one just shows up and goes mine and then just like drags him away <laughs> Alternate ending number three. Yes, three magic number. We rocked that. Okay. Oh, we're also, finally done. We, finally, finally, we, finally. Thank God. We 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 got through it. But one last thing I want to mention is uh, the the hug of awkwardness when Perry and the Doctor are reunited, and Perry embraces the Doctor with every bit of emotion she has, and the Doctor is just like, uh, yeah, and just kind of bats around the back. <laughs> He doesn't return the hug at all. He's just like, um, yeah. <laughs> I love pat, it. pat, pat. I do, I do love that. If for no other reason than because it goes towards like really great Colin Baker choices. Uh-huh. But man, can you imagine being Perry in that situation? Like, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank uh, God this one's over. Another terrible story. We're gonna have. To, I'm not watching this story ever again. You have it on good authority. If I ever watch it right now, you know that something's like really wrong with me. But I'm. <laughs> this is my third time watching this story. I'm not doing it again. Never, never, ever again. No, no. I'll I'll remind you not to romanticize it. Yeah. Th- thank you. Well, <laughs> it's you know it's romantic. It's totally romanticizable once you start like forgetting about like how violent it is and start thinking about it conceptually. It's actually kind of awesome. Because it is, you know, it's very, it's very topical. It's very much like a lot of the discussion that we have about television today, like they were having on this show back in 1985. And like, that's, you know, that's pretty topical. But at the same time, oh my God, was I romanticizing this story. Screw it. I don't care. I don't want to watch it ever again, ever, 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 ever again. All right, so before we get into uh, what what we'll be talking about next week, um, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCPService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from your local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off, plus pre-order your collected editions and save 50% off. Ship as often as you like, with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay $5.95 in flat rate shipping, so thanks to DCBService.com. Next week, what do we got? 
Okay, next week we are talking about Battlefield, which is a Seventh Doctor story. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Seventh Doctor, at least good Seventh Doctor. Um, and it's we got some Ace. Uh, there's a great appearance from the Brigadier. Um, and it's a really... I would say what the really cool surprise is in it, but I actually really want you to be surprised because it's got once you realize what they're talking about, because it's you know there's battles and and some really cool stuff. When you figure out what they're talking about, you're gonna lose it because it's actually kind of well at least if you're interested in that sort of thing. It hit right home for me, um, so it's really kind of you know it's kind of very exciting. Uh, it's a good it's a good one. It'll clear the palate. It's one of my favorite Seventh Doctor stories of the ones that I've seen. Um, I think I looked at my list recently and it was at the top, but I don't think that's right. Um, but it's 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 like it's my second favorite probably. So it's a pretty fun story, pretty engaging, pretty exciting. Brigadier, Seventh Doctor, Ace, um, and some really neat surprises. So there, that's next week. Awesome. I can't wait. I love Sylvester McCoy, and I haven't seen hardly anything with him in it. Oh, yeah. Well, this um, one's this one's really, really, really excellent. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Awesome. Can't wait. It's a four-parter? Yeah, it's four. It's it's All of all of McCoy's are either four or three. This one's four of the fours. Okay, cool. Like Sweet. Like can't it. wait. Awesome, awesome. Also this week, new episode of Geekin'. Um, Have You Met Ted? is uh, premiering this week. Um, so definitely check that out. That's a podcast about how I met your mother. Uh, a couple of geeks comes out. Movie Night at Geek Show last week was Cherish. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week is Nick's pick of Breaking Upwards, continuing our um, February Month of Love selections. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then um, Geek and Extra this week is Power Girl, A New Beginning. Ooh. We'll be t- talking about that. So. Very exciting. Hooray. Um, Matt. Where can we find you on the interwebs? Okay, well, you can find me every day or however often I'm liking to update. Maybe not this week because I'm going to be really angry this week because I have basically hell crashing down on me with school and stuff. Uh, but you can find me every every day of the week, all the time, constantly on twitter.com slash gungadin. You can also find me every week at classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com where I review a classic story. Um, this week, <laughs> God, this week we're talking about Monster Peladon, which is actually a pretty... Pretty interesting discussion. Uh, six parts. Uh, one of my favorite sort of eras. Or, well, I like the Pertwee era, but I mean, like, one of my favorite stories is Curse of Peladon, so this is its sequel. Um, so we're talking about that. Some Ice Warriors, some Alpha Centauri, some Sarah Jane, and some Pertwee. So that's really cool. So that's what we're talking about uh, this week. Should be awesome. On and then uh, you can find me twitter.com slash scottcorelli. Uh, and then, of course, the website, geekshowentertainment.com. Go there, post comments all that check out the other podcasts um and, oh, and read uh and, and, and read articles uh, i've i've posted uh i posted youtubes for this on my own youtube page but uh i i'm at such a point right now where i'm just like screw it i don't want you guys watching this story because you'll get a really bad impression of colin baker go listen to his audio plays you'll like those so no youtubes this okay. week okay okay um can't you, you can <laughs> nope <laughs> unless unless you wanted to put Unless you wanted to put the diaper cannibals. That I couldn't blame. <laughs> or alternate endings. Like just some, like, some... <laughs> If only. Yeah. If only. I wish, I wish I had the budget to do those, because I totally would do that. But, uh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, email us, tdc at geekshow.us. Tell us what you thought about uh, this episode, all of our other episodes we've been doing, and just how the show's been running lately. Um, and then, uh, of course, iTunes, leave reviews, because that helps us out a lot. Yeah, awesome. Yes. All right, guys, we will talk to you next week with Battlefield. Sounds good. See you guys then. Bye. Bye.